Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide, and you already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from Negative to Positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at Negative to Positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC. Let's go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken, and you know, that's fire. Now, Bobo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast. Podcast One. Spotify. On today's show, we have a whole batch of HBO Max announcements, and then there's a Game of Thrones prequel that is dead, and another that's a go, and also briefly, The Thing. The Thing almost appeared in uh, Deadpool 2. We're going to get into that on Movie Talk. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Perry Nemroff, and I'm going to introduce some wonderful panelists soon. One you know very well, John Roca, and another very special guest we're adding to the desk today. It is Jake Roper of Vsauce 3, who's also hosting the show, Could You Survive the Movies? We're going to discuss all of today's topics with the two of them very soon. But right now, call sheet time. Top item on the list today is that Deadpool 2 story I mentioned. Tim Miller's original plans for the Deadpool sequel actually saw Fantastic Four's The Thing duking it out with Juggernaut during an interview on on the playlist fourth wall podcast miller also revealed that he was planning to expand the presence of vanessa as she became copycat moving on down the list now in a shocking twist hbo has decided not to pick up the game of thrones prequel series starring naomi watts the pilot episode of that one was shot this summer with a story taking place five thousand years before the events of game of thrones and was sent to said to focus on the age of heroes which saw humans battling white walkers for the very first time soon after that cancellation news though we found out that hbo gave the go-ahead to to a different prequel series called House of the Dragons, set 300 years before the events of the original series. We're going to discuss that more later. Now we're moving on to that big batch of HBO Max stuff because they made a whole slew of uh, announcements yesterday and that included a brand new Greg Berlanti produced superhero show 
Green Lantern, new shows from comedy creators like Elizabeth Banks, Issa Rae, and Mindy Kaling, newly acquired titles like South Park, Rick and Morty, and so much more. We're going to be weighing in on all the announcements later in today's show. Now, here's a really cool piece on Collider.com I highly recommend checking out. It's all about the blood list. The blood list highlights the most liked, unproduced screenplays and pilots in horror, thriller, sci-fi, and dark comedy, and Jeff wrote up a piece about it, so I highly recommend going on over to Collider.com after the show and browsing the titles. And we're actually going to wrap up today's call sheet with a film you're going to want to keep an eye on because I think it sounds really cool. It's called Wally's Wonderland, and it stars Nicolas Cage. Here's the description from the official press release. Wally's Wonderland has a dark secret, and when the janitor, played by Nick Cage, is forced to spend the night in the Twisted Amusement Park, he is pulled into a living nightmare. As the threatening animatronic characters come to life, the janitor has to fight his way from one monster to another to survive until morning and get out of the park. You can check out that article on Collider.com right now. But now we got to move into panel time. You guys know him all too well. It's John Roca. Hello, everyone. How are you? How's your life going? How are you? I feel like I always throw you under the bus because I'm like, John Roca's here as always. But we have a special. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. That's I love all right, you. man. We have a very special guest today. It is Jake Roper of Vsauce 3 here celebrating oh. a brand new series that you guys really should keep an eye out for. I know you're all big movie fans out there. Could you survive the movies? What's up? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing great because I'm next to John. <laughs> oh, thank you. Oh. You know what? He's special to me. So oh, Jake, I'm thank really you so to be much. Here. Of that course. is the sweetest thing that ever happened with yeah, Roke on the it's table. True. Thank, thank you, you so for much. That. Yes. A moment we will cherish forever. I'm good. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> so we're going to talk about could you survive the movies very shortly. But Jake is also joining us for our other two panel topics of the day. And the first one is going to be all the HBO Max announcements we got yesterday. A whole slew of stuff, you know, price points, features that they're going to put into use. Then we've got new things that they launched. We've got newly acquired things like South Park. You guys, look at the list of titles that you're going to get if you sign up for HBO Max. What sticks out to you? What says that's a must watch for me? Oh, look, I don't know how you not start at the Game of Thrones thing, which we're probably going to talk about a little later. But I I like the idea of the Green Lantern series. Mm -hmm. That excites me on so many levels because there were rumors that Jeff Johns was going to do something. Now this is going to be a series that they're going to do. And as a massive fan of the Green Lantern Corps, there is so much to play with here that could be extensive and cosmic. And it could be exciting also to keep the trend going for DC, right? And for Warner Brothers, this idea of doing these, kind of revitalizing their superhero approach Approach to things. So now with this, you got, is it going to be Hal Jordan? Is it going to be Guy Gardner? Is it going to be Kyle Reese? Is it going to be Jon Stewart? Who is Kilowog going to be in it? Where's Sinestro going to play? There's so much involved here that's exciting. Now I'm like, okay, who's going to get cast in what? As, as what in this series. So that's the number one thing that stands out for me. And, of course, Looney Tunes. That's all I'm going to say. Looney Tunes, Looney Tunes. That's all I'm going to say. Two words, Looney Tunes. I didn't expect you to say that. I love that. Looney Tunes. Can you say you Looney Tunes one more time? That, Looney Tunes. Ah, that wow, that right. feels great. That's right. I love what what uh, sticks out to you, Jake? Are you a big fan of the, the Berlanti <laughs> superhero shows? So... Well, actually, I have a question. Did he say this in the announcement? If the DC streaming service is basically being rolled into it, is that kind of what's happening? I don't know if it was it's, being rolled into it. I don't know. Yeah, it still be separate. Said that yet. Uh, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. one of the shows that they announced was originally being developed over there, and yeah. then it got brought over here. But oh, okay. yeah. I, I imagine it would be in their benefit to do just that down the line, it especially like it makes sense. what is it, fourteen ninety nine for yeah, the yeah. streaming service? Yeah. yeah, you know, a little pricier than some of the other options we have out there. But it's rolled into if you already have HBO though. Mm-hmm. 
it's all part of the plan. Yeah. So that either either two things. Either one, it it encourages you to subscribe to HBO, especially with Watchmen now, like kind of you know oh, uh, grabbing incredible. social media, right? Exactly. Or two, it keeps you having cable, mm. which kind of helps them out as well. I mean, it is a great. Sorry, to the price point part of it, fourteen ninety nine, to me is a steal because that's what I currently pay for HBO now. Mm, right. So there's no difference, and I get a lot more content. Looney Tunes thing I'm actually really stoked on. And also, what was the Robert Zemeckis, like, tuned up, or where it's a live-action oh, animated yeah. thing? That one I'm super excited for. I mean, you know, Who Framed Roger Rabbit's incredible. So if we have some of the same people that made that doing something else. And also, I just grew up with uh, Tiny Toons, yeah. Animaniacs, like yes. Freakazoid. So to have shows, hopefully, in that vein... Would be really fun for me. Mm-hmm. Where's so that really... Animaniacs revival? Yeah, is that something it's coming that's... on Hulu next year? Yeah, is you it? didn't know that? I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah, I, I've interviewed. My heart. I've interviewed Rob Paulson <laughs> like three times already over the last year on separate shows, and he, he was on the deep cut, and he talked about the fact that Spielberg and them are bringing back Animaniacs oh, next year in twenty twenty on Hulu. Yeah, I'm so excited. Yeah, he's now, super now I need cool. to reprioritize Hulu in my lineup yeah. uh, for Tuned Out, just in case anybody doesn't know what that is. Um, it's an inspired new series from visionary Bob Zemeckis, uh, in the vein of Bob's classic Who Framed Roger Rabbit called Tuned Out, which merges animation and live action, but with the cast of Looney Tunes characters. Roka, I'm surprised that wasn't number one now on your well, list. I, 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 <laughs> Game of Thrones are tuned out. Well, look, the Looney Tunes <laughs> classics are untouchable, right? But when they've tried to do them, the more recent ones, I haven't been the biggest fan because I'm just such a fan of Mel Blanc's voice of mm-hmm. doing those characters. So I, I want to see first how they do it because I'm a little burnt by what they try to do more recently. So if this comes out and it's fun and you've cast really good voiceover actors, then I'll be I'll be back into it because I always love the idea of creating a universe where all these characters exist with each other. Uh, I've spoken about Dickensian, which is this weird little British show where all the Dickens characters actually lived in the same town mm. and interact with each other. And if you're if you've read all the books, you can like oh you can nerd out like crazy on it. So I love this idea of them all being in the same it's town like, as well. Uh, like. What was the show? Once, once, once upon a time. Yeah, once upon a time. Right, right, right. Fairy mm-hmm. characters. Yep, yep. My nana loved that. My nana, <laughs> nana really likes that show and Gotham. I can't explain it. Wow, Gotham. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. That isn't that random? Yeah. I, think, I think my nana's really one of the only people that I know that stuck with Gotham from mm-hmm. beginning to end, and she, she was, was there very, very into Joker. it. <laughs> I'm surprised she doesn't want to see Joker. Uh, (laughs) One of the things that stands out to me about this, it's something that I've been saying about, you know, digital content across the board. Downloadable. Mm -hmm. They're going to make content downloadable. That right there is a game changer for me. The second someone says that, I'm like, I'm in. Because... Yeah, Wi-Fi's everywhere, but how many times do you get on a plane and you wish you could take your content with you? And if you got to connect to Wi-Fi, sometimes that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Or when I'm driving my car, I don't have Wi-Fi, so if I want to watch and drive, I'm joking. Don't do that. Nobody do that. Coming up on the next Vsauce show. (laughs) Uh, But, sorry, one thing I want to just bring up. Can, uh, if HBO, if you're watching or listening, whatever you want to do, bring back Swamp Thing. Yeah, oh. on HBO Max. That was a, that show was incredible. Mm-hmm. I love Swamp Thing so much. Wow, that would go a long, long way. I think with building a lot of goodwill. Yeah, like, that would be a ma- that I would consider that a major headline if they did that. I, I think they could bring it back and because obviously they own it, and, and, and the issue was creative differences. It mm-hmm. was not about the money. It wasn't that forty million dollars story that was floated? It was about creative differences from the beginning when they were purchased. There were just issues between the creatives and the executives. So clear all that up, start a second a second season, and see what you can do with it. I think that's a great point you make, Jay, because people love that show. It was fantastic. That's right. literally 
literally the reason I signed up for the DC service yeah. was just to watch Swamp Thing. I wish that would I wish that would come back and I wish they would fold fold the DC service mm. which I think is kind of inevitable just cuz I don't want to see some of that content that they're making go away and it mm-hmm. feels like if this becomes the priority and especially with all the spending that they've announced for this yeah. they're definitely putting a lot of their eggs in the HBO Max basket and I just don't want to see any you know tangentially mm-hmm. connected uh streaming services suffer because of that. Yeah. yeah. Well that's the I think what HBO Max really nailed with their announcement yesterday was the value proposition. Mm-hmm. For 15 bucks, you get a lot of content, mm-hmm. like a lot, a lot of stuff. To me, even the originals aren't as important as the library that you're getting access to of all the things that like Time Warner owns. Mm-hmm. That's really fantastic. So when you look at the DC service, I don't, just don't see how they're sustainable. Like they don't have a lot of content. No. There's like Doom Patrol. Titans. Well, Titans. Titans. Swamp Thing wasn't there anymore. Then they have like, oh, we have all of our animated stuff. And we also have like the superhero movies. But all those movies are going on to HBO mm-hmm. Max, it seems. So what is that value proposition? It seems to make a lot of sense just to include it in HBO Max. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would think that's that's the way to go at this point, especially because yeah. right now it's almost like like everybody. It's like you said, with the library value mm. library and aligning yourself with certain talent, it's like everybody's building their armies. And, you know, you're you're kind of only as strong as the talent in your army, but the size of your army, too. So it would behoove yeah. everybody in this to bring everything together. I'm curious. There's a lot of filmmakers in this thing who are let's see. like Zemeckis hasn't actually been, you know, like lighting up the charts recently with some of his stuff. So you're like, OK, Did can you he come? Marwin? Huh? Yeah, Marwin? Yeah, Marwin. <laughs> it was so, a noble attempt. Yeah, it's true. But I liked flight and so you're like okay yeah. but like well what are you gonna do with this going back to the roger rabbit thing mm-hmm. mindy kaling look i know people love mindy kaling but that four weddings and a funeral wasn't received that late well night. and late night did not do well in the box office do well at the box right, office but that was still an excellent was a great film. film some yeah some people liked it and i've heard from a couple people that didn't so it's like okay and snyder being the one but like you, you <laughs> didn't get snyder was like anything everybody likes but like you know you get this uh, issue like okay and then elizabeth banks that that charlie's angels does not look good and so it's like if that goes down what what is your like? What is the is this superhero high thing that she's doing? Uh, is that going to work? So I, th- I find this to be very interesting, and they're definitely going for known quantities, known names, mm-hmm. and we'll see what they can do under this umbrella. And if these shows come out and are interesting and fun, and there's and it's also a great way for them as creators to expand their brand. The other thing that's probably well worth pointing works. out is that their plan isn't to do, uh, you know, season dumps like, let's say, Netflix yeah, yeah. and Amazon. Mm-hmm. They are sticking with the week to week release schedule, which why, why do you roll your eyes? I think it's actually a smart idea because yeah. one of the biggest things they've ever had is obviously Game of Thrones. Yes. And I think, yes, the quality of the show for a very, very long time was extremely high. But one of my favorite things about that show was how it was event viewing. I knew everybody that I knew stopped on Sunday night to watch yeah. it and then we could all discuss mm-hmm. it on Twitter. I miss that feeling. And I think a lot of people out there might miss and crave that feeling with you know, the Netflix approach to watching everything now, now, now. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of absolutes. I like case-by-case basis. Mm-hmm. So I would say, like, Watchmen. Don't binge Watchmen. That is a, let me watch it two or three times during the week and, like, really savor it and understand it. Game of Thrones, same thing. But, like, so the animated series, drop them all at once. What am I going to process that half an hour, uh, you know, episode before I get the next one? I don't know. I think certain ones you can drop and binge and certain ones you can definitely hold out. It just depends. Are you a binge watcher or a week-to-week one? I... Actually, to your point, I like the option of both, and I think yeah. it depends on the kind of show. I understand why HBO is probably doing the same with Disney, because the, their original content offering is not going to be huge at the get-go. Mm-hmm. So by stringing it along, it keeps people subscribed. Yep. And so just being like, ah, I just want to... I mean, back to the DC thing, 
That's why I subscribed for multiple months because I had to finish Swamp Thing because it was every week a new one came out and I was like, I know what you're doing. You're keeping me subscribed for after my free trial so I keep having to pay you. So I get it from a business side. But I think there are certain situations where I would like the choice. But at the end of the day, we don't like choice as human beings. We like to be told what to do. We think we like choice. But we generally don't. Is I'm, my feeling on things. I'm so mixed on that because my <laughs> knee-jerk reaction is, yes, give me all the choice in the world. But these guys see it. I don't use choice during the day. How mm. often do I order the same freaking yeah. lunch? Like, yeah, she does. It's just easier. Yeah. Like, yeah. The time comes, and I don't want to think about it, so I just press the same button that I've been pressing well, it for goes months. To, and we can use this in the same vein as streaming services. Let's look at Netflix. Mm. There's so much content on there, but how many times do you just watch something random that you've never heard of before, or do you stick with something that you've either seen before or someone recommended directly to you? It's a great point. Here, so uh, yeah. wait, here's a question. What if, let's say, you know, so, someone name an actor you really like, anybody in the world? Tom Cruise. Willem Dafoe. All right. Uh, for, for the sake of indulging our <laughs> yes, guests, let's please. go with Willem Dafoe. See, yeah. there was a Willem Dafoe menu on HBO Max, and Willem Dafoe was on screen recommending movies that he likes to you. Would you watch those movies? Yes, that's actually – so thank you for bringing that up. That's one of the things I love about HBO yeah. Max yes. is that there is that curation, which to me is something like Amazon Prime or Netflix doesn't have so much. They're like, do it by genre. They're like, oh, here's some horror movies. But I want someone to tell me what to watch. And that's the thing I actually loved about Netflix's friend feature back when they had that. Because I could find my, like, see my friends and be like, ooh, mm-hmm. this friend rated all these movies that I really like the same, so I'm going to trust their opinion. And they rated this one four stars. I haven't seen it. I'll watch that. Like, that was great. I need someone to tell me what to do. Well, at, <laughs> at this point, I don't know if Willem Dafoe is involved, but Zac Efron will tell you movies yeah, and shows on, to watch, presumably, on I HBO Max. I love Zac Efron. <laughs> I'm good, Zac. I'm good. Uh, you don't like Zach? I, I love Come Zach. On. I, I feel like I've got a more extensive film library than Zach, but Willem <laughs> Dafoe, this I would do. This I would do because who knows what kind of weird avant-garde German expressionist film he'd recommend that you've never heard of and you got to go find it at some, some flea market somewhere for $2 on, on beta or VHS. That would be exciting. That's, I think that's the key, too. Is like, okay, you could go with the populist choices, but I think it's good to have a little avant-garde choice, a little like character actor choice mm. uh, 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 people that you bring on to give their uh, points of view. But does it worry you? Uh, let me ask you guys. Does it worry you as a, as YouTube, as a YouTube creator? Like, does it worry you that this is kind of like infringing on that? Cause they come up with a bigger name and they're saying, no, you need to watch these, these, these movies. And like w- a lot of YouTube shows, a lot of YouTube creators are about, no, this movie, let's talk about this movie. Let's break down this movie. Is it kind of taken away from that? That they're recommending mm-hmm. movies. I would be curious to hear your opinion. I think, mm. Well, I, you know, the first thing that I thought, especially when I saw that idea about, you know, uh, actors and influencers Mm -hmm. being part of the recommendation tool. I mean, the first thing I thought is like, tell someone at Collider, give them a call and make a Collider (laughs) menu. I mean, I, I, for one, I, for one, love that kind of thing. And I've said this time and time again, when it comes to critiquing movies, like I'll always give you guys my honest opinion and nothing anybody says is probably going to sway that. And I'm going to hold tight to how Mm. I feel, but Criticism is not a science. It's not a math. It's Mm -hmm. deeply personal and it's an art form to a degree. So that's why I encourage to seek as many opinions as you can and also to hold tight to your own if you feel differently. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think it's a good thing to have the more the more of that out there, I think the better. I like it too. I like it too because it gives you also a window to connect with this celebrity or this actor Mm. that you've known for so Mm -hmm. long and be excited. Because maybe they suggest a movie that you felt no one else has seen or no one else has liked, and it's like, oh, if that that person likes it. 
that kind of validates me liking it as well a little bit more. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to give you a suggestion to curate your own playlist without getting HBO Max just yet because it's not available yet. I'm going to tell you to make a list of movies that Jake covers on Could You Survive the Movies. You watch those movies and then you watch all the episodes of his show. I believe we have a clip from the Ghostbusters episode right oh, no. now. So we're going to talk a little bit about it after, but I want to give you a sense of what you're in for with this. So check this clip out. In Ghostbusters, they refer to the packs as unlicensed nuclear accelerators. And while it could be called that because it is getting particles from the nucleus of an atom, they are generally referred to as particle accelerators because they are accelerating a specific type of particle. Protons from the nucleus or electrons from the electron shell of the atom. And, fun fact, you actually do need to license a particle accelerator. And particle accelerators aren't just things like the Large Hadron Collider. There are over 30,000 in the world, with some of them used in hospitals for anti-cancer treatment proton therapy. The accelerator uses positively and negatively charged electric fields, which create radio waves to accelerate the beam. And the beam is made up of particles, either protons with a positive charge or electrons with a negative charge. The particles begin to orbit around the accelerator, gaining momentum along the way. And in general, the particles are protons, so the backpack being called a proton pack makes a lot of sense. And speaking of, the proton pack we see in the films has a circular device on the back of it, a cyclotron, one of the earliest types of accelerators built. In fact, it was first invented in 1930 and was used to discover elements like plutonium and neptunium. Now, based on the proton packs from the movie, they would generate five mega electron volts of energy. Which sounds like a lot, but it's not even enough energy to power a 100 watt light bulb for a tenth of a second. The ones used for proton therapy use around 200 MeV. This means the proton stream coming out of our ghost-busting backpack would go 35 centimeters. So the ghost would have to be right in front of you. And since it uses such a small amount of energy, you wouldn't have to worry about things like excess heat or radiation being produced by it. Also, you wouldn't actually see the proton stream when it was firing like you do in the film because they aren't hitting anything that makes them visible. I mean, think of a laser beam. The beam itself is invisible unless it's going through something like smoke or water. Did we fix that? No. All right, let's talk about this good (laughs) stuff here. Um, I will just start with a broad question. Of all the episodes you shot... Because we were talking a little bit about the wish fulfillment in this mm-hmm. and being able to throw yourself in some of like the greatest movies of all time. Which one was the most like, oh, my God, I'm standing in the middle of this movie right now? I would say Back to the Future. It was mm. the first episode that we released. And that one we actually got to film on the back lot of Universal. So we were actually there with the clock tower, yeah. the courtyard. And we had a DeLorean that looked like Doc Brown's DeLorean. So that to me was really, really wonderful. Because whoever... You know, you can do the tour and, like, see it. And they'll go, oh, there's where we filmed. And you're like, oh, wonderful. But we actually filmed on that part of the lot. So that, to me, was a, a huge dream come true. So one of the cool things about the show is that you are super informative and you teach people about the science behind these movies, but you're also reenacting certain scenes. And I just found it really interesting. So, so far, I've seen the full Back to the Future episode and the Men in Black episode, and it's interesting watching you pick and choose <laughs> what, what amount of screen time goes to each thing. So how do you kind of, like, feel that out? Yeah, I don't know, man. That's a great question. <laughs> I think it's more of, to me... The the narrative element, like the actual living within the world of the movie, is wrapping paper, right? Everything that's important, that present, should be the science, the information. And so it just depends on how much wrapping paper we need to 
package that beautiful present. And a better way to phrase that, I think, is that that screen time that isn't science-focused is just motivation to get to the science. It should be in service mm. of either explaining, expressing, or condensing what we're then going to experience. I think that's the number one thing that I take from it, because I'm not a sci- I'm terrible at science. I was always terrible at science. But these videos explain it in a way that you can actually consume it and like apply it to when you're looking at something or thinking about something, which I really enjoyed as well. Because you can tell that there's a spirit here to want to educate from mm. a place of not above it all you know because sometimes i love degrassa but sometimes degrassa goes on these tyrants and i'm like can't follow you mate you lost me two planets ago but this this is more understandable and, and accessible who's the uh, girl in the back to the future the oh actress? that's uh, diana cowan yeah diana, she's great as well and i did a, a little bit of research on on all you and like it's it's amazing all you have this incredible incredible strong background mm. in this so you understand how to convey it to make it understandable and usable in life i love that oh well thank you very much i mean that's the hope with the show that the line I always use is that it's accidental learning, where hopefully you just love Back to the Future, or you love Aliens, so you mm. get in there because you think you're going to be entertained, and hopefully you will be, but then by the end you're like, wait, did I just learn about pressure? Did I right. learn about like quantum theory? That was really fun. And to your point, I like to take the, the mantra of everybody is very smart. Mm-hmm. They, must, they might just have a limited vocabulary. So if you can express things to someone in a way that, like if we were hanging out at a bar talking, mm-hmm. how a friend would tell you a story, if you can express it like that, then I think it makes it more understandable and empowers you, the person who just learned a fact, to then share it yourself. That's such a fact. I mean, that's such like a hopeful way to look at learning, too. I mean, it just makes me rethink all the things that I think are like my weak spots. I also just like the idea of like John Roca. I suck at science, but I'm good at movie trivia. Random things like that. No, the sugar thing when you're explaining time. And yeah. I was just like, I'm in. I mean, this has worked better than me than Endgame. This works so much well, better. So I'm sitting there watching that and I'm like, can you explain all the time travel in Endgame? Were you actually thinking about that when you're watching Avengers Endgame? I was actually a little, I was like, oh, no. They kind of talked about it and how I wanted to. Um, and they even talked about, you know, back to the future. Like, that's not how time travel works. It's like, yeah, but time travel is a theory. In reality, time travel, as far as we know, could never work. And that's my favorite kind of period at the end of time travel is that if time travel were to exist 200 years from now, maybe this haven't made it yet. Well, then it exists now. Because time travel it would exist at all points in time. Right. So therefore, from my point of view, time travel will never be real because it currently is not real. That, I mean, it just it messes with my head so much. <laughs> Have you thought any more about my Jurassic Park pitch? Yes. I think that needs to be an episode in the future. I really want to... <laughs> What's the pitch, you, though, for YouTube? YouTube? Which, which camera do I look at? Is it that one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, camera. Or that camera. Hi. Uh, YouTube, if you're watching Jurassic Park for season two, or just season two, and then we can talk about Jurassic Park. <laughs> I'm fine with that. But I would love to do Jurassic Park. I know there's a new one coming out next year, or is it 2021? We're... we're- Getting close to it. Uh, now I'm blanking 2021? Yeah. I assume 2021. Yeah. Because yeah. they just um, announced that the, the original cast, they can't. They, and they just made a Battle of Big Rock. Right, they, 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 they have time. Which was great. That yeah. was a great short. How cool is that? Um, but yes, Jurassic Park I would love to do. I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about when it comes to CRISPR or just genetic modification. Mm, okay. Um, maybe we can get Bob Zemeckis and we can have a nice... Dino DNA, like, live-action animated sequence. I could see you already doing your own, like, Mr. DNA spin. Or, or uh, like, the John Hammond thing. Where it's like, mm-hmm. hello, John. Hello, John. Hello? Yeah, yeah. Who's going to get to dress up as John Hammond? That's going to be a fight, isn't it? So here's the thing. In my ideal world, I would love to be a Malcolm. I would oh, just love to I be a Jeff Goldblum. That. Absolutely. However, I kind of feel like I'm not sexy enough, so I'll be, like, John Hammond. 
I mean, it's an old decrepit man. It does anybody like hit those Ian Malcolm levels except Jeff Goldblum? I don't think so. Yeah. He's such a treat. <laughs> he really is. I would love to get him in the episode. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now you just blew her mind. You just absolutely blew her Ooh, mind. Like we'll have the, you on set for that one. The, possi- the possibilities are endless. I mean, even just something as simple as seeing him do like the drop of water on mm-hmm. your hand mm-hmm. test. And right. just like, I mean, has anybody really been able to exactly replicate that? Like, right. or at least make it sound as official as he does. And as fact as he does. <laughs> I just, I had this whole idea for this show that I, I really want to hopefully do in season two, which is that we would have someone, we had it actually back to the future. We had the actor who played Goldie Wilson. Right, um, he comes in, that's yeah. right. Yeah. But I would love to have someone from the original films in every episode, but their purpose in being there is that they die immediately. Mm. So like Jeff Goldblum walks in, he's like, guys, watch out, there's a dinosaur, then like immediately gets killed. <laughs> and it's this big one, like, oh my gosh, they got Jeff Goldblum? Ah, I see, they only got him for 30 seconds. <laughs> and, like, I mean, it sounds every like episode, it could be possible. That's what Jurassic World did, the so what's the difference? <laughs> but every episode, celebrity just immediately dies. So I've got high hopes for season two for this show. Thank you. Having gone through season one now, is there any one specific thing you learned making the first season that you would take with you to the second, whether it's a story thing, a stunt thing, anything yeah. at all? It's a lot of work. Is <laughs> the thing because I'm, I'm a very privileged in that when I usually make content, I have to answer to nobody. I make whatever I want to make, and then I put it on the internet, and I hope that people enjoy it. This was an experience, which is how television and film works: is that there's other people who have a say in what you're doing. They don't have complete control, but when someone else is paying for it, you have to take their advice. Hmm. You know, you don't always have to do it, but you have to at least listen and go, "Ah, yes, that's a great idea. How about we do this too?" So that to me was a learning process because I've, for the past eight years, I haven't had to listen to anybody. And I know that, again, I've been very privileged and lucky. And if I want to do things in a more traditional realm, then I need to be better at working with others. Can I ask, who directs the episodes? I do. You do? Yeah. So you, want, you, you figure out the crane shots and all that. Yeah. You, you get access to all of that. Mm-hmm. So that must be nice to have that, an extra large toolbox to pull from to shoot yeah. those episodes as opposed to your other stuff. That is fun. Yeah. Uh, and also we use like, so Eric's the dude who did all the cinematography and all the VFX. Mm. So it's like one guy basically did all the visual effects that we wow. see in the show. Wow. He's a boss. But that was really helpful because he shoots all of our videos of Vsauce. So it's super awesome to have a guy who's basically the VFX supervisor, also the DP. So he helps a lot where I'm like, Eric, I need to do this. And he's like, okay, great. So fun little fact. In the Back to the Future episode, I never actually drove the DeLorean. Even though when you watch it, <laughs> there's shots of like a wide shot of me driving up. You can see me in the car. Just a composite. I wasn't actually driving it. I wasn't allowed to drive the car. Uh, so we had to do all these like little tricks to make it look like, oh, Jake's actually driving, but I never did. Now, I have like a behind-the-scenes nerdy filmmaker question for you. <laughs> what is the coolest tool you got access mm. to use, whether, I don't know, like a drone, crane oh, shot, man. anything like that? I would say two cameras that I, I really enjoyed using was the Phantom V642, which does about 10,000 frames per second at HD resolution. And then we also use, and there are only two of these in the world, a FLIR. FLIR makes thermal imaging cameras, and it's mm. a slow-motion, 1,000 frames per second thermal imaging camera. And only two exist, and they don't use them for a lot of things outside of scientific applications, like actual science. So a lot of the stuff that we captured, basically everything we captured with that FLIR camera had never been captured before. Wow. So that was really fun. And we had to have like engineers on set operating that thing because it it's this piece of science. Um, so that was really fun. I love those kind of tools. That kind of, yeah, I mean, that close my, I want to get my hand, like, I'm trying to find ways to apply it to use at Collider, yeah, but yeah. I don't think you want to see any of that type of stuff here. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to nerd out for it's one second. It's pretty expensive, too. <laughs> it is. And luckily, thank you, Fleer, thank you so much for letting us use your cameras for free. Because right. it's like, you know, 
a quarter of a million dollar camera and they were nice Ooh. enough just to bring it to us. Cause like, this sounds really fun. Let's test out the capabilities of our camera. But here's a fun fact I think about thermal is that thermal can't see through glass. I can't see through windows, oh, things wow. like that. If you were wearing glasses like we are right now, it would look like sunglasses through a thermal camera. You wouldn't see our eyes at all. So it's like in predator, Arnold Schwarzenegger just should have hid behind a pane glass, a pane like a window, and he would have been completely invisible <laughs> to the Predator. However, then it brings up this other question, which is, well, then how does the camera see through a lens? How does it capture any image? Because lenses are glass. And it actually uses uh, germanium, the element germanium, and that's what the lenses are made of. So it's really cool. Like, if you ever look at a thermal lens, it just looks like this kind of like deep slate gray surface that you can't see through, but the mm. camera can. Huh. Anyway, fun thermal facts. That nice. is fa- no, that's really fascinating, and now I'm I'm never going to watch Predator the same way. That's, <laughs> that's so interesting. Well, I, mean, f- I feel like if they ever do bring the franchise back, and they should give it another go, right. they should add something like that. I mean, well, that's I like such a great tool. More to have Predator Two, it would have been useful because they're actually in a city. Yeah, it's right. not just like a lot of natural glass hanging out in the jungle. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> or even, I mean, even just like a makeshift shield or something. Yeah. Like learn, like they. I don't know about continuity now. Now we're talking about retcon sequels, reboots, that whole conversation again. But it's like, even if they had studied predators and learned about their capabilities and invented new weaponry that mm. just that just wasn't like a massive gun, yeah. I don't know. That, that would be adding to that franchise in a way that would actually fascinate me. Yeah. But also this does apply to one of, I think, all of your guys' favorite films, a classic movie, which is uh, Tremors 2 and 3. <laughs> and 4, I guess. How did you this, know? Yeah. You know, because then the predator, not the predator, so the Tremors can see with thermal vision. And they're like, ooh, I think that's just the third one, right? With the, I didn't see there's no cursing. The, I don't want to say the name. The butt blasters is what I'll actually call them. With the butt blasters. Remember that, guys? Tremors I don't, three? I don't know. I don't know after the first Tremors nearly as well as the first one. But I think I'm, I'm okay with that right now. No, you got to watch all I, of them. I am a Final Destination expert. Oh, so yeah. if you ever, ever want to make a Final Destination, that, that sounds way too morbid for YouTube. I love but FD. if it was ever that, Yeah, they wouldn't let me make I wanted to make a Halloween-themed episode. Oh. Where it wouldn't be specific to Michael Myers. It would be more about slashers in general. But uh, YouTube thought it was too spooky, so they wouldn't let me do it. No, that's fair. Well, season two. Yeah. Season two, YouTube. High hopes. Two. It's going to happen. And uh, while you guys wait for season two, do watch season one. It is really one heck of a show. So well done. So informative. Check it out on YouTube Originals. YouTube Learning is really a great place to go for content right now, especially if you want very well-made smart stuff. All right, guys. We also have some, I guess, semi-smart stuff coming your way on Collider, too. Like these shows right here. Check them out. What's up, Collider video fans? Josh McCuga here. I'm the host of a brand new show on Collider called The Rumor Mill. Now, we're live every single Wednesday at 2 p.m., but we're live on the Collider video Twitter. So you have to subscribe there if you want to interact live with us. If you want to throw in some rumors of your own that we want to incorporate in the show, you have to tune in live. Now, you can watch the show on YouTube later. But again, if you want to watch live with me and three panelists getting rowdy, giving points to each other, and just yelling rumors, you need to tune in live on the Collider video Twitter, 2 p.m., every single Wednesday.
I'm Coy Jondro, this is Comic Book Shopping, and I'm here with Damon Lindelof. How are you doing, man? I'm fantastic. Thanks for having me. This show is canceled. Maybe not the polar bear. Yeah, exactly. The fact that I get to do this for a living is is incredible. Oh my God, what? The John Carpenter. We are doing some comic book shopping in honor of Watchmen, which I am dying to dive into. I am so excited, but first, we should buy some comics. Oh, we absolutely should. We are at Golden Apple. Are you ready? Let's do it. Let's take a bite. Let's do it. All right, the time has come. Game of Thrones talk. So we had a a wild, wild day as far as Game of Thrones Mm. goes yesterday. First, there was the shocking news that the Naomi Watts-led prequel series was canceled, not Mm. going forward. I couldn't believe when that was announced. But then right after, we got the news that there is another prequel series that did get the go-ahead. First, with the Naomi Watts one, were you two as surprised as I was that this wasn't going forward? Or did you kind of see the writing on the wall? I mean, I am not, I don't think, as involved in this world as you guys are. So I literally didn't know it got canceled until I read the thing. I'd had no expectation. I assumed that they would do it because Game of Thrones Mm -hmm. is such a moneymaker. They were like, let's do as much as we can. Mm -hmm. So that was, I guess, a surprise to me. But with the news of, what is their acronym for their name? D? For which one? For Dame, Damon and Hall. Oh, oh like the, what's Benny their, Off and White? Yeah, what is their... They're actually not involved in this. Do they have yeah. something? Well, but what's their... They have like an acronym for their name. I don't know. They always say like B, B, S, B, Oh, do, do they? I well, don't know. Anyway. David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. So they weren't involved in the name we because I thought that I D.B. or something like that? Yeah. Oh, okay. So never mind. I thought that was a whole part of the thing with... Because when I say abandoned Star Wars, I thought maybe that was part of it too. Hmm. Well, you tried, Jake. I appreciate it. I did try. try. <laughs> See, again, I don't know much about... DBDBW. DBDBW. That's there you go. it. Boom. Is that really it? Yeah, I guess It feels so. like it's so... Unne- like, so I would many, rather just say Benioff and My girlfriend works at Netflix. Really? And she always just says their name like that. <laughs> DBDBW. Yeah. She's like, it oh, DBDBW just like came back with this thing. It does kind of roll off the tongue now that I say it. Now I'm not going to stop saying it. Brace yourselves for that one. Sounds a little buck So anyway, don't listen to me. <laughs> Listen to other people that know about these things, like these two folks. No, no, well, you, but you were shocked by it. I think a lot of people were shocked by it, certainly because it had Naomi Watts leading this mm-hmm. thing. It was, it, and they really tried to focus on bringing more female uh, 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 people behind the scenes directing it, and it, so they wanted to. So apparently, according to the THR, it was a bad pilot initially. Then they mm-hmm. got notes, made some adjustments, and it still didn't save it. So. I think in, in the end, they decided that rather than take the chance and have it sink like a stone, and I think coming off that last season, this is a smart move. You don't <laughs> want to come out the gate with a show that you know yourself internally is not going to do well, so why not go with something that you've got dragons? At least they've got dragons, and it can distract people's attention. <laughs> dragons, White Walkers, I don't know, though. I know, I know, but I'm saying, I know. I know. I, People love the dragons. I think more than anything, the part of it that I feel worse about is the fact that it's such a surprise. I mean, Naomi Watts is going to be fine. We'll get a million oh, yeah. roles after this. I I feel very, very sad for the folks behind the yeah. scenes and in front of the mm-hmm. camera that get cast or, or added to a production like this and think, I am set for the next eight seasons. Mm-hmm. And then the rug yeah. is pulled out from under them. I mean, it's the nature of pilot season. It's it what happens. It's just... Like, that must be a shock. My heart hurts for them. And also the idea of saying no to a pilot that was made and done 
but then giving what 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 is it ten episodes yeah. like a full, full season series. Yeah, full series it's yeah. like Miguel Sapochnik is on board for that and we yeah. know he's directed some of the best of the best as far as Game of Thrones episodes go so I yeah. have a lot of faith in him it's just you know like you don't have any material for that beer like go ahead and make that one but we're not going to keep working on this one I think it's amazing how this franchise in a way has gone off the cliff flame, flame, flames coming out of the car <laughs> because it's like people going into the eighth season people are just like okay we're going to get the White Walkers we're going to get all this Stuff. Mm-hmm. The dragons will get like what's going to happen to Danny? What's going to happen to Jon Snow? And they, you could you, essentially they fumbled the ball. That's the overall feeling. Is that and then doing that Q and A a couple of days mm-hmm. ago? Those answers normally, <laughs> as I tweeted, you'd love to get that kind of honesty from them. But they they added more gasoline to that flaming fire. And then now hearing about this pilot being canceled or this yeah this pilot being canceled, you're like Jesus. They better come out the gate with something great here. This mm-hmm. this IP is done for a while. And George still can't finish the damn books well that's actually you both mentioned something that i thought was interesting which is the idea that they need to be very careful with what they do next mm. because the blowback from season eight was so severe that they really need just something that is a win that's like people go ah just wash that bad taste in my mouth i love this so i understand where they come from like we need to be cautious let's just not go ahead with this one series because also there is that fear i feel of like oversaturation where mm. if they have a bunch of different game of thrones spinoff series then it's like okay well there's too much. It's kind of how we felt with Star Wars to a degree, where they kept releasing like multiple movies. You're like, we're gonna have a new movie every single year. People are like, okay, I'm kind of just over it for right now. Like, I want it to be this special event, this moment. And if you have too much of it, then it it just decreases that. Mm. One of the few franchises that has been able to have so many so fast and still keep it at that level is is really Marvel. And mm-hmm. I think right now DC is getting back into the yep. swing of that. Yeah. But not many franchises have been able to hit their stride in that kind of way. Well, I wonder if maybe part of Marvel's success is the fact that it was leading to something. Mm. Right? It was building to something. Whereas the Star Wars movies, outside of the main episodes, those lead to something. But like the solo movie doesn't really it doesn't then go into something else it's not building an additional universe it's adding on to a universe that already exists well i think having source to the comics helps as well because you're already mentally going in going there's a larger universe mm-hmm. at play already and many different types of characters to choose from to play with right we have to wait for the filmmakers to create these worlds for us in star wars whereas in marvel we those of us who read the comic, we know that there's multiple characters that they can bring into mm-hmm. this and they kept upping the ante so yes it worked but they kept challenging themselves uh, over and over and over again and, and it worked eventually so it was great in that way but I think it's because there's so many stories to tell versus with Star Wars they're telling you what their stories are it is going to be yeah. interesting to see if it tips the scale in the right or wrong direction mm. with all the Disney Plus content because yeah. it's mm. like it, it already is a challenge to keep up with the movies and then all of a sudden you add in Disney Plus shows some of which are expected to have very direct connections to mm. certain feature films it's it's going to be a lot for people. Mm. Um, I wanted to go back to Game of Thrones very mm. quickly and just uh, get the uh, temperature of the room on this. Between these two stories, what did interest you more? A series that took place, uh, what, what was it, 300 years That's before the, one, the, uh, yeah, of the original? Dragon, or yeah. how many thousands of years yeah, was the other one? Of years, yeah. yeah, so which which way would you rather have seen the franchise go? <sighs> I'm gonna, Dragons or White a, Walkers? This might be a controversial opinion. But I just don't care. Oh, there I, it is. I, like, I will watch it when it comes out. And if both of them had come out, if we're only getting one now, but if either of them had been chosen, I would still watch it. But at this point, I'm just like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I, I don't care. <laughs> I 
with the way <laughs> the series kind of fizzled out at the end, I can understand yeah. that. Well, the thing yeah. is, I didn't even have, I mean, I was annoyed by it. Sorry, I'll let you answer in a second. No, I no, no, please. I was annoyed by how it ended, but it wasn't, it didn't crush my soul where I was like super upset and had to tweet about it. I was like, eh, it happens. Yeah. yeah. I get it. It's fine. Would I like it to end bigger or be stretched out a little bit longer to really express more of what they were trying to get across? Yes. But I wasn't heartbroken. I was like, it was a fun ride. And it was mm-hmm. such, to your point, it was an event. People yeah. got together every Sunday night and would talk about it. And that, to me, was really special. I yeah. do hope we hit a point, though, where even if you are heartbroken, and I understand this, this series was a, like a very big deal to a lot mm-hmm. of people out there, and I respect that, and I respect the heartbreak that came with that ending. But I do hope as we get further removed from it, we can distance ourselves from that heartbreak and still hold tight to the fact that so much of this series wasn't just good, it was phenomenal. And I don't want to lose the value of that. Mm. It's like, mm. I understand that DBDBW wasn't, <laughs> see, I got it. <laughs> it, it wasn't folks' favorite pick after the end of the of the season eight for mm-hmm. that Star Wars mm-hmm. movie. And I saw some folks in the comments were happy that they were removed. I, ju- I just don't want to put everything they accomplished in the trash just because they didn't do so hot at the end. But also, yeah. then again, now I'm thinking about some of the recent comments they made, which might not have been the way to follow all I that think up. that's the thing. Like, just stop yeah. talking. Like, yeah. Just stop talking. Go away. Go, I mean, go on to your like, Netflix there's a, deal. There's a lot of other people that worked on it. I think that's yes, the bigger that's point. A, absolutely fair point. I, but, I, you know, people will push back and say, well, those last two seasons were the seasons people had trouble with. It's because they went off the books. They needed the source material mm-hmm. to kind of rein them in and these conversations with George R.R. R. Martin. So it does kind of cut away a little bit of their credibility. But Perry makes a great point. It's still fantastic television. Yes. Did they fumble the ball at the end? Yeah, but not a lot of shows end it correctly. Mm-hmm. It's really rare. You know, uh, Breaking Bad is one of those recent rare ones that feel, a lot of people felt ended correctly. Then El Camino comes out. It's fantastic. So yeah. it's it's not easily done. So, yeah, I hope in retrospect people let go of all that stuff and just focus on what they enjoyed about the show. Because there was some great acting and great uh, stuff that we've never seen on television work. Well, here's, here's the thing that I think we can all agree on. It wasn't as bad as Dexter's ending, right? <laughs> true. Right? There, there's so very at least we got true. That. That's a heartbreaker right there. Yeah. A heartbreaker that I've gotten over and I'm still Sorry, greatly just, appreciative yeah, of the very beginning. The wound right there, like, <laughs> oh, I finally forgot. I'm definitely over it at this point. But, uh, yeah, that was definitely a series that ended in a good deal of trouble. All right. We don't want to leave you without doing some live chat questions. And I've got a really good one for you, Jake. I Uh-oh. want to know what your thoughts are on this. J. Scott for Real is asking, which scientist from the big screen would you be most comfortable entrusting the fate of the world to? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Which scientist? I would say. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, this is a really tough one. I don't know. Which scientist removed? Okay. I mean, the easy answer is uh, Jeffrey Combs from From Beyond. Wow. Any answer to that question that began with Jeffrey Combs <laughs> was a winner for yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> For me, because he was very smart to begin with. And then obviously, you know, things started getting weird. The gland grew a little bit lower. Anyway, before he goes insane, I think he'd be a really great guy. So not from Reanimator, from From Beyond. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I don't want, I don't want Jeffrey from Reanimator. That's, That's the one. one. I mean, yeah, from know. Beyond, though, I would really. <laughs> Do you have an answer, Roger? I think so. I think I'd have to go with Stellan Skarsgård from the Marvel movies. Mm. He, he's, oh, he knows his stuff. He's crazy at times, but only because of Loki possessing him. Other than that, he's usually right with his calculations and the way he's looking at everything. So I, I would put him in the mix. My mind isn't going to scientists. I keep going mm. to like folks that specialize in weather because of, I probably watch too many disaster movies. It's like I'm thinking... <laughs> Uh, 
you know, like Dennis Quaid in The Day After Tomorrow. Yeah. It's like he, ah. you know, not only did did he know his stuff and he warned everybody, but then he swooped in there to save his son. Right, so right. I, I feel like that's not my ultimate answer. I can't do that, but I got to think of the right one. <laughs> that's a great question. So you going to say Ian Malcolm or... Uh, or uh... I feel like he would keep us I from feel, blowing up. Yeah. I do feel like if I lived in, you know, an Ian Malcolm protected world, like maybe he would keep us away from chaos. Right. But I also think I would walk around like neurotic and freak <laughs> out 24-7. And I already do that. So I don't need it anymore. Fair yeah, I was point. thinking, you know, like we already mentioned him. So I felt like it was a cheat to be like Ian Malcolm again. No. Um, or, you know, Tommy Lee Jones from Volcano, I think would be a solid choice. <laughs> Brent Spiner from Independence Day. Oh, yes. There you go. <laughs> but not Independence Day too. Well, oh, what's wrong with that? Oh, this you, is, you, wait, you're gonna, this you're gonna pitch a, me Tremors three, pro- but Resurgence is an issue for you? What this are you talking about? Tremors three wasn't table. made to be good. Independence, Independence Day Resurgence. And you know what? I okay. It, they did. They were like, "We're gonna make this great," and it was. What? I apologize. Roland Emmerich <laughs> follows me on Twitter. Oh. Uh... Roland Emmerich, follow me on Twitter. I liked your movie. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> we can cut. This isn't live, right? We can cut this. Well, for what it's worth, I'm with you on this. That movie needs to go I away. Stop it. It's, it's a lot. It's a popcorn movie. It's like Independence Day. It was just like incredible. All right. Anyway. Let's All right. Uh, you know I can go on and on about that. Let's grab this question from a Star Orbits agent who wants to know if you could trick or treat at any fictional movie town where would you go as a kid? Perry and Angel Grove. I don't know if I'd want to trick-or-treat in Angel Grove. Where's Angel Grove? What's that uh, Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's yours. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, like, I don't think I, I know, like, the details of the oh, town well enough. Pleasantville. The town in Pleasantville, I'd like yeah. to trick They seem nice. It's like yeah. a little, like, a nice. time travel trick-or-treat yeah, experience for you. cool. So I'd probably get, like, Zagat bars or zero bars or something <laughs> cool like that that they rarely sell nowadays. You find at the world market. Old man Roker strikes yes. again. Look, I made a brochure salad. Let me just scoop this into your bag, kid. Here's some pennies, boys. Uh, that's a good one. Charleston Chew? Come on. I mean, I feel like, yeah, going back and I'd probably go with Edward Scissorhands. That neighborhood. Oh, that's a good neighborhood. Oh, that's such that's a good cool. call. Yeah. I Can think it'd be a pretty good one. It's an interesting neighborhood, certainly. Is it a cheat to pick Halloween Town then? Because no, now my oh, mind no. goes to like uh, you know, a Tim Burton type yeah. of place, and that, yeah. that's probably a good option. Originally, I was going to say like pick any uh, slasher movie and put me in that town because rather than like get can, I don't you know. Die? <laughs> yeah, what's wrong with like, you? You want to die? I kind of want. I don't know. I want the experience. You know, I like haunted houses and those types of things, the sign your life away kind. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That would that would be getting that in a movie yeah. version. I should. I wish I could get you signed up for something that's like beyond the haunted house. Well, I did. I did one. Maybe. I did one, and I I didn't love it but i think yeah. there are other options out there that like might be the better game. for me there's, yeah there's a thing called like the, the where they kidnap you and they like the whole 24 hours they keep and make you go through stuff like Is they there, throw you in a trunk and I put you a in a bag are, are there like dirty things that's yes. where yep. no no water no. So, and mud and dirt so the, the hands one, touching your face and things of that nature the one that i did was uh one that had uh here, just sign here someone like throws up into a toilet and then you're supposed to stick your, your oh. hand in the toilet to get the key and i had watched a couple of trailers <laughs> online where they show that and i'm like i don't that know if great. i could do that that's tuesday 
right? <laughs> <laughs> when it so happened awesome. in my it's experience, so I saw the fake gag, so I'm like, oh, fine, I'll stick my hand in the toilet, and oh. that was fine. But oh, if it's okay. something like legit dirty that it's I'll get sick dirty. from, that's yeah. that's where like I cross my name off the you list. You don't sleep, <laughs> and you pay for it. It's like I think it's like five hundred dollars or five hundred fifty bucks. How long does it last? Twenty four hours. That's a steal. Twenty four hours. hours. They kidnap you, put you hours. in a trunk, put you in a bag in a trunk. Then when they take you out, they blindfold you in the You're dark. You're making me realize that I have certain limits. <laughs> See, I'm more just. I, I think my, my limits are a little further, maybe than yeah. most. But I don't know if I'd want it's that. Just I'd never do that. For that cost, though, to me, it seems for what they're doing to you, mm. it seems too cheap. Wow! Like I want to okay. pay more because I feel like they're just gonna be like, "Hey, here you go. We don't really care about you." What did you say We're the cost gonna... was? Five. I think it's five fifty, something like that. For an entire day, for twenty four hours, that to I'm, me seems a little. I'm sure you could tip them higher if you don't want to <laughs> well, pay more. Because they have my life is in their hands. I yeah, want them to be well paid. Well, it would be like yeah. staying at like a, a luxury hotel or something. Yeah, for a night. Yeah. yeah. Except this one, you don't get to sleep, and in they reverse. torture you the yeah, entire time. You. So maybe it's a good price. I don't know. I don't know if they ever do this anymore, but the one that I had my eye on was the, the great horror camp out one, oh, where, yeah. where you actually camp out overnight. And, like, you're with a group of friends. I right. mean, that's the other thing. It's like, I think I would find a lot of these much more appealing if I was doing it with a group of friends, and, mm-hmm. like, we were trying to survive, and that's the point of this. They'd have yeah. slashers, you know, creep around your tent in the middle of the night, but I didn't move out here quick enough to get to do it. <laughs> well, we'll bring it back. Yeah. Collider will have a summer camp. That would be my dream come true. Do you want to... Collider, if you're watching, create (laughs) a summer (laughs) camp. Do you want to spin the roulette reel right now? Because I have like a whole bunch of questions here, but I haven't haven't screened them. So let's see what we're going to do right now. I think we should go with... Some of these are just comments. They're not even questions. I can always trust MK Songbird, who wants to know, what is a film from this year that you went into having high expectations for and it leaving and it leaving you, it leaving uh, living up to your expectations or surpassing them? So mm. a movie that you had high mm. expectations for that then surpassed them. Joker and Avengers Endgame. Mm. Both of them I went in with high expectations, and it still managed to I don't know if I them. could say that about Endgame, because I had like a weird roller coaster reaction to that, where, oh. I, wa- where I walked out and it, it didn't meet my expectations, but I think it was because I was overwhelmed oh, by okay. the whole thing, and right. then I sat on it for a while, and then I'm like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, and then I watched it again and again, and I can now like the it's second time I watched one of my it, favorites. It really resonated a lot, when I was like, holy smokes, that was incredible. It's a lot to take in. It is. In one viewing. I I'd probably agree with you. Yeah. I think Joker and, and oh, Endgame. I'm, okay. Then I will say Tremors 6. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, that came out like two years ago. That was a lie. I'm sorry. Uh, I, don't, I can't think of any other movies that came out. Parasite? Parasite's Parasite's great. fantastic. Yeah. That was pretty good. I'm looking at my list right now. I would... It's like I can't say book smart because I didn't really know what I was mm. getting getting into mm. because it was Olivia Wilde's feature directorial debut, but that's yeah. phenomenal. That maybe, sh- maybe Shazam? You thought I, it was better than... You, yeah, because yeah, okay. I, I walked into that really psyched just mm. for, you know, something a little different in uh, the DC film franchise and also having a lot of faith in David Sandberg mm. and then seeing what he made with that. I think I think that exceeded my expectations. Yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Shazam was great. All right, so we got a lot of good options around the mm. table right now. Yeah, thanks, Songbird. Are, are you sticking with uh, Tremors? <laughs> well, no, because I came out like two years ago, so that was a lie. <laughs> I guess I can't stick with Tremors, but I can stick with... Oh, gosh, I think <laughs> oh gosh, Joker! There it is. All right, Fair I don't enough. know if you've heard of that film. No, we don't talk <laughs> nope. about. It. Have you seen it? Never uh, spoken yeah. about it. It's pretty good. Maybe it you is. should add it to your list of your uh, movies that exceeded your expectations. Oh, yeah. 2019. Okay, thanks, man. No, anytime, anytime. All right, good idea. Good, good ideas, suggestions, some things for you to think about, some things for you to learn. Over on Could You Survive the Movies, Jake. 
Thank you so much for coming in oh, today. Thank you for having me. It oh. was wonderful having thank you. you. Yeah. Roka, as always, thank you for thank being you. here. My Adam pleasure. in the booth, Dorian in the live chat. That in the live chat. You guys rock. Thank you so much for all your help. Do not leave this episode of Movie Talk without liking and sharing it. And you know where to go right after this. Go on over to Collider Live. They kick it off at 10 a.m. Pacific. And we are back tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. PT, for a Halloween special. You do not want to miss it. There are some costumes in the works. It might make the show super awkward, but I'm going to embrace it. See you then. Stay little chico, pit bull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Orangutans. They're beautiful, playful, and majestic, and disappearing. Every day, as many as 20 orangutans vanish. They starve to death when their homes are destroyed or are killed when they stray into villages in search of food. International Animal Rescue is fighting for the survival of the critically endangered orangutan. But we can't do it without you. Please visit internationalanimalrescue.org and help us save orangutans before it's too late. That's internationalanimalrescue.org.